0: Are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable Scott Connor and the one and only Ray GQ? I present to you Destination Chill, where football and fantasy collide.
1: What's good, everybody? Good evening. February 21st, 2024. We are back, Ray, for a second straight week, I think for only the second time in like the last three months. Uh, But what's better than getting on here, just live streaming, talking some rookie strategy, rookie tiers, best ball roster ship strategy. Glad to be back for another week in a row with you, my man. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Feeling good. It's been a long day, but I'm excited, man. Get excited. The people are here. People are in here. We got rookie picks tweeted out. Everybody wants to talk about this. Let's go. Get it up. Get it up. I'm, I'm excited. Let's fucking go. Get your shit together, man. Get into it. Damn, let's go. I'm into it. I'm into it. it. The
1: hour we spent this afternoon talking about what we were going to go over on this show. I'm into it. I'm into it. But glad to be back.
0: It's something we need to do, man. It's, it's, you know, right now, everybody's kind of formulating their opinion on these rookies. And all of this is going to change in a couple of weeks. Right after the combine, everybody that we thought sucked or we thought was no good. Jalen Wright's going to be everybody's favorite sleeper running back. All of this is fine and dandy. But for the most part, man, But for the most part, everybody at this point has an idea of whether it's best ball, whether it's single quarterback, whether it's super flex, whatever it is, you got an idea of who the top guys are. Everybody has an idea. Wide receivers, you got Marv, you got Rome, you got Malik, however you want to have them ranked. Running backs, everybody's waiting on draft capital, landing spot. Got an idea for the most part who the names of the players will be. We will find out some sleepers here shortly after the combine through pro day. And then inevitably once the draft actually happens and the capital is distributed and the teams are selected, then people will start to move stuff around. But we kind of talked earlier today about making bets right now on the rookie tiers, on the rookie slots in the positions in the, in the certain format. So I, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about where these guys are being drafted. We've got underdog ADP. We've been doing super flex mox draft over in the DDD uh, DD community. Like, I want to get into the tiers and where the breaks are, how we should be valuing these rookie pick selection slots right now. Not so much of the player names, and we can talk about that, but we, we got to dive into this, man. People need to know where the tier breaks are, how to value these guys in super flex, tight end premium, all of that stuff, man.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to necessarily spend a lot of time on the first, what would you say, six, seven picks? But I do want to talk about it because we're going to get questions. Uh, yeah. People are going to ask about it. So I can't ignore it, but that's not what drove the conversation. So let's just start there. Let's start with the very top of a super flex. We won't even specify lineup or best ball because I do want to talk through both because I'm sure we get people that are playing in both. So I kind of want to talk through how maybe we'll treat tiers a little bit differently. But let's just start at the top. Superflex, Let's make it 1.75 tight end premium just to give it a little spice. So we have to treat the tight ends as, yeah. I mean, I've heard you on shows. People have probably heard me on shows. What do we say if it's no tight end premium? Yeah,
0: It's 0.5. Both of us just
1: keep pushing the tight ends down the board, right? We're not the ones that are drafting them. So let's just start at the top. How, How do you see the top, let's call it top six picks in this format? That's how I see it but I'm going to throw to you the top six picks. I've been crystal clear if you've watched me on Trades in Five, if you've listened to any of the shows I've done on the first half of the rookie class this year, and I've even put out a couple articles talking about it. Those top six picks, how many players would you say you'd be willing to entertain a deal if you're having to move one of those top six picks? How many
0: many current NFL players?
1: Current current NFL players have to be in the deal. Now, let's not assume someone comes to you and goes, I'll give you you know, two decent players in all my draft picks for the next three years or something like that. We're talking mm-hmm. like a normal deal that you would see in a league. If it's just a one-for-one one or a two-for-one, how 20 many some current players. 20, 20 NFL some players. players?
0: Yeah, 20-something. 20. some, 20,
1: 20 twenty-five, I think. And those are just to get to the table, right? Not every one of those picks is created the same. Not every one of those players are created the same. But, right, like, right. you have to be coming into the deal with – one of those top 20, 25 players to even entertain me being willing to trade one of those picks. So I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that or not, but that that is where it has to start. Otherwise, if I have those picks, I'm not excited to even think about moving them right now, maybe in a month. But the not absolute
0: now. worst time. Let me tell you, right now is the absolute worst time to trade a rookie pick. I don't care if you think it's the, I don't care if you know it's the 112. I'm not trading any rookie pick today. It makes absolutely zero sense outside of a slam dunk, home run, you know it when you see it, godfather type offer that you kind of alluded to. There's no reason to do it. Not here in February 21st. I've talked about this since the days that I started Destination Debbie Scott. I think there are three like peak windows to trade where people are really, really pushing in chips to acquire assets one is right before the trade deadline. You know, people pushing for playoffs in season. That's when people got to, hey, I, I'm, I'm a player away from making the chip. Two is right after the combine. I think right after the NFL combine, there is a crescendo that starts to that starts to sort of elevate up. Like, oh, my God. You know, think about even last year. The hype coming out of Indianapolis for a player named Marvin Mims. I'm not even talking about Bijan and Gibbs I'm talking about Mims he ran a 4-3 early breakout age this is gonna be the guy I mean at that point after the combine when people have tested when you've got height and weights when you've seen these guys like people are ready to acquire those picks and then the third moment of time where it just reaches the mountaintop is right after the NFL draft, right after the Atlanta Falcons select B. John Robinson, right after the Jameer Gibbs lands in Detroit. That's when people are like, here we go. We've got the capital. We know that. But today, right before the damn combine, I'm not, there is no, I don't care if it's the 114, I'm not moving it unless you tell me that thing is a godfather type offer. Ain't no way in hell I'm moving a rookie pick right now, especially a first rounder. No.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about what that looks like, but just for everybody that's watching and has questions about, okay, where's the tier break? Like I said, one through six, we're making it 1.75 tight end premium, so you're going to have probably Brock Bowers in the mix just based off the name and the fact that it's a big drop-off probably until the next tight ends. So those top six picks, I don't think we need to talk any further about them. Do you think we do? Do we need to go through I, where there's many to... tier
0: breaks? Do you want want. to? I I want to? I want to – I just want to ask the question, right? There was somebody, there was a tweet that I quote tweeted, I think it was yesterday, and I and I forgot. I'm looking on my time. I want to give people the, the appropriate credit here. So I want to, I know I tweeted out. It was from at NFL underscore DF. So NFL Draft Files said, Brock Bowers is a generational talent, second best player in the entire 24 class. Ask yourself what position were the Lions, Ravens, 49ers, and Chiefs all elite at in 2023. Don't be the guy that says Brock Bowers isn't a franchise-changing player. And then the play that's shown is him just splitting the goddamn defense of Georgia Tech. Now, I get it. He ain't playing no Georgia Techs in the NFL. But I'm sitting back thinking, like, are we a little too dismissive on two things? One, A, how good Brock Bowers could be. And we're making projections for all these guys. So don't give me... He's a tight end, so you can't project him to be—I I absolutely can be like, all right, well, I think he's a 1,300-yard receiver, whatever position you want to call it, right? If, if Bowers is getting 1,200, 1,300 yards at the tight end position and your receiver that you draft is an 1,100-yard receiver, I'd rather have the positional advantage there at tight end. But neither here nor there. Is a Brock Bowers—are we undervaluing how good he actually could be? And then the more important question, Scott— is are we undervaluing how valuable, if Brock Bowers is that good, how valuable that asset will be in fantasy football? And I think a little bit, I, I'm starting to come around to the notion that we're undervaluing how valuable Brock Bowers could be because I, I believe if he were to go out there and do anything like Sam Laporta did this year, and I don't even know Sam Laporta's final counting stats, I swear to God, I have no idea, but if he does anything near that level... Dalton Kincaid level, I think you'll see, probably for most of us that play in 1.5, I'm just talking about how the community will value him, he will be valued as a first-round dynasty startup pick, but no question about it in tight end premium leagues. Whatever, However you feel about 1.5, 1.75, 2.0, start two, he'll be valued in that range of being a first-round pick in dynasty startup drafts, man.
1: Yeah, I see some questions in the chat already talking 107, 108, some different players, but that's why I made it 106. I think you're going to see 1.5 premium. You're going to even see some regular PPR leagues where he mixes into that top five or top six for this exact reason. And I've even said it. Would I really want to spend that 105 on him in a non tight end premium league? No. No. But understand what you're chasing. It's the same as if you think there is one running back in this class that can be a top 12 or better running back, top six or better. I don't know who that is. But if you feel that way, it's appropriate to take a risk on it because the war that you would get by hitting on one of those guys, the positional advantage is worth it, even in a non-tied-in premium. So again, I think we're talking about two different things. You're talking about if it hits, it could be a big difference. But you're also talking about, and this is why Bowers probably mixes in here, is not just that part, the name part. There is a chance that he is one of the tight ends where you go, all right, if he's just halfway good, I also have an asset. And what is one of the reasons why we typically don't love drafting tight ends in this range? Because most leagues, how do they view tight end, Ray? 1.5 premium. It's either the top, top, top of the league, or I don't care. Mm -hmm. So just because you spend a pick and Brock Bowers becomes tight end six, I mean, what are people moving Kyle Pitts for right now? Evan Ingram for David Njoku for in 1.5 premiums. They're kind of just like, I'll take them if they're they're cheap, right? But there's nobody really saying, I have to go get that asset. There is a window with Bowers where he has a chance to be that, and there's very few of them. So I do think he holds some asset weight regardless of the format. So top six, that's the tier. Let's move past that tier. That tier is going to be, you know, a couple people ask some questions. Maybe we'll hit to those at the end or on another stream about who's most likely
0: to fall out. Well, here we got some ADP let's pulled move. up right here. We got some ADP pulled yes. up right here too, Scott.
1: Yeah, and it's reflective in this, even though Bowers is at 107 and Adunze is at 106 here, it's kind of reflected as basically that top five, and then you can kind of see the tier break, and then you have Bowers and Adunze at 106 and 107. So for purposes of this conversation, essentially it's the top six. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's focus on the rest of the draft. That's what I really want to talk through. And I'll set this up for you, right? Because I proposed right. this to you earlier about best ball or lineup. That's the first thing I want to talk to you about. Okay. Let's go back. Pull up the pull up the data again, just All so right. everyone can see what we're referring to. Mm-hmm. But you see, do you spot? And I'll ask the group to look at this. Do you see a pretty decent size tier break in there? Maybe it's not at the one hundred nine, one hundred ten. But if you just kind of look at your eyes and you can see where it gets to, what is it, Bowers A1, 111,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the way to, what would that be, the 209, 208, about, 209. Mm-hmm. And you see kind of just a cluster in there where things are kind of concentrated. And then also if you look at the lines in the middle, uh, that's essentially the span of where they went. In our mocks. Correct. So as you can see at the top, the line represents the range drafted. So the, the closer the dots are together, yep. but the further apart the line is, as to me variance, that kind of yeah. represents a big variance of what is that, a bunch of just people getting their guys.
0: They're Correct. just
1: getting who they want in that range. So the I want to ask Rattler's you a good,
0: Spencer Rattler a good example. Just for those of y'all looking at this, you see this big pink line. This means he was drafted as high as the 112 in a superflex mock and as yep. low as the whatever what pick 44, whatever that is. What is that? The 402 44? I yep. don't know. Yeah, there it is. that that's that's the wide range that Spencer Rattler has been taking. So go ahead. Just want just want people to know what the the start of that the the color line is versus the middle dot. In the middle is the average.
1: Well, yeah, and you go down to round two, I believe it's Braylon Allen at the 210, and then Mm -hmm. all the way up to Keon Coleman at the 201. They have a a range that spans about seven picks.
0: Seven picks. Basically,
1: the entire second round, there's a variance of about seven picks. And so Mm -hmm. that just tells me right there that people are kind of viewing the second round as we don't have a lot of information, right? We don't know capital, combine data, landing spot, nothing. So people are trying to think through, all right, where are... These big cluster of receiver groups going to go. Which quarterbacks do I want to sneak in there? We'll see people drafting all the quarterbacks besides the top four in the second round. There's always some running backs going in there. People, ah, I like that. That's my RB one. He fell to the 207. I got to take him. So I guess I want to just start with a best ball versus lineup conversation. Let's start it at the 109. Okay. Okay let let's let's remove Bowers and Adunze and assume. 'Cause I think Brian Thomas, I think, is starting to become kind of the consensus one oh eight. I've heard that uh-huh. from a lot of people. What do you think? Uh, or is it McCarthy uh, or Brian Thomas? Hedge your I, bets honestly, on one of the two.
0: If 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 I'm being if I'm being very objective right now and and not trying to lay my, layer my bias and player evaluation and takes in this, I think the tier break in quotes is the one oh eight but it's not inclusive of Brian Thomas. It includes J.J. McCarthy because despite how you
1: feel— Either one.
0: I don't think it's either one. I think it's J.J. McCarthy because there are a lot of people who do not have Brian Thomas there, and they would opt for Troy Franklin over Brian Thomas. A lot of people would just get— Once you start to get to that, well, I like Franklin more, well, I like Thomas more, well, then they're not not a part of the cluster. I'm talking about clear cut, and if J.J. McCarthy goes anywhere in the range in which it's being talked about— Right now, the Falcons moving up. Uh, th- this team, he's inside that that first okay. locked in tier. So I would say the cutoff point is JJ McCarthy.
1: Okay, so we'll start it at 109, all the way to the end of the second round. That represents okay. 16 picks. It's a pretty tight range in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the the distribution and then also the width of the lines where each pick is. So from a lineup or best ball standpoint, I'm going to start. You can pick whatever one you want. Start with lineup mm-hmm. or start with best ball. How do you view this range from like a both desirability standpoint but then also like if you have a bunch of picks cuz you've even heard I've even heard you say it on some shows like you're willing to trade back in this range if you can get two picks you're willing to buy picks in this range when other people are going man I don't know what I'm going to get you're willing to just buy them so you have a couple picks in this range how are you viewing those Lineup versus best ball. Is it different? Is it the same? Like if you have three picks and you have a lineup league and a best ball league, how do you feel about both of those sets of picks? Start there.
0: Um I feel good in both situations. I feel good in lineup and or best ball. If I've got three picks, you know, 109 at the end of the second round. I absolutely think it makes a difference whether you're in lineup or best ball. Best ball, I'm not trying to eat a bunch of zeros. You dig? Like I'm just I'm not trying to eat zeros on a weekly basis. And I do think that in lineup leagues, you've been preaching any quarterback on a 53, Scott. If we're just projecting, I think there are at least a quarterback or two or three that are going to be selected in a range in which their value falls inside of the 110 to the 212. And in a lineup league, I am 1,000% going to take some shots on those quarterbacks. We could pull up quarterback super flex ADP, um, but I may not be as inclined to draft Spencer Rattler in my the middle of the second. The back of the second and a best ball knowing that he's going to be behind Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott or wherever the hell he goes. So I do think it. there is a distinction between the two. I think it's very important that when you are listening, you as the viewer, the listener, when you're listening to content from creators talking about that beat, try to pick up on the type of format that we're talking about. Because if you're listening to a lot of Destination Devi, we do, a, it's primarily best ball. Scott trades in five where you operate as well. It's a lot of lineup, right? A lot of lineup is sort of the foundation. So I definitely think it changes. And I also think the willingness to hold RB (laughs) one in best ball is a little different for me than it is in lineup leagues. Um, And I'm talking about Jonathan Brooks right now, who most people are starting to come out that that is their RB one. And I view a situation very similarly to Kendra Miller. I view it very similar to Kendra Miller. In lineup, I'm even more apt to take some shots on some running backs where in best ball, if I don't see an immediate pathway to right now production opportunity, like I feel I like I can go buy those guys at a later point in time. I'm more inclined to load up on the wide receivers. And I wouldn't say tight end in, in this class because I, I think there's only one that's really going to matter inside of that range, and that, that person, Jatavian Sanders, is probably going to be valued very high. But I do think there's a big distinction, but either way, I think you're in good shape having those picks if you're forced to make the selection in either lineup or best ball. How do you feel?
1: Yeah, I think you hit on some good points. I think we're starting to talk through some theory as to roster construction in lineup versus best ball. I'll say for me in best ball, if I'm sitting on those picks, I'm excited with this class because it feels like I'm very comfortable saying, oh, that's a third-round receiver that went to a decent spot. No problem using a pick in a best ball league on that. You know, any receiver that I like in that range, no problem picking one in a best ball. Now, if I told you a lineup league, and we had this conversation yesterday in um, Heisman voice chat a little bit, I'll shout out to anybody that likes this kind of discussion. Uh, We'll do a couple topics like this, record them, have a private pod feed, and we hit on this. If you're in a lineup league, let's say start 10, Ray, Mm -hmm. 1.75 premium, so Jatavian Sanders already goes. So tight end is out. Lineup leagues, yes, I am interested in picking the quarterbacks. Rattler, Knicks, Penix. if they're second rounders, even early third rounders, and you're looking at their spot going, all right, that guy, Patriots don't take a QB in the first, but they draft one of those guys in the second. Yep. Or even one of those guys in the early third. got to think they're going to get some opportunity. It might be a four-game shot, and it might be ugly but there's going to be a window, right? You're going to be able to have a good clue if there's going to be a window on those QBs. Lineup leagues, I'm interested in those. Are you interested in a third-round Bo Nix in an average landing spot in a best ball league?
0: Probably not, not,
1: because you're going, man, i got to wait all these weeks for him to start. And what does that do? That clogs up a roster spot, which means you're probably not picking up the backup QBs as aggressively because you can't drop Bo Nix, right? (laughs) Right. You can't drop him because you just drafted him with the 206. No way you can drop him for Tommy DeVito or whoever comes up on waivers, which is a suboptimal in best ball. But I also think in lineup, and we hit on this yesterday, start 10. You grab yourself. You really, really liked Tez Walker. Okay, He gets better than what you thought draft capital. He goes in the early to mid-second but people still see some stink on him from the senior bowl. They don't love his profile. You're ecstatic, Ray, to get him at the 207 in a lineup league. Wide receiver 13 off the board. Okay. Yeah. What factors are you – because right there, I would tell you, based on that, if he's like a mid-second-round pick and he's drafted there, there's a decent chance he ends up being kind of a roster-clogger, right? He's just another receiver. There's a lot of guys that probably fit into that same tier. So, what are you looking at when you get to those types of receivers? Because I think you have to be pickier in best ball. You're just going, I'll take some of all of them, right? Because it's best ball. I'm probably wanting to roster, yeah, I'm probably wanting to roster 12, 13 receivers in best ball. So, give me all of them. But lineup, what are you looking for? Because the draft capital may not tell the whole story. I think we had the discussion of what is the breaking point to where you're like, all right. I have to be a little more selective, and it's probably because you're not drafting Tez Walker because you hope he hits. You're drafting him for if he's good, you'll know he's good, right? That'll that's a bonus if he actually hits and he's in your lineup in a start ten. But what else are you looking to do with those picks? Assuming you're having to make picks, buying a bunch of these receivers because I'll just tell everybody this: there's not going to be seventeen receivers in this class that hit. Yeah,
0: that, that yes, but there's that's,
1: just there's going to be misses. So. What factors are you looking at when you're saying, "Yeah, you're showing the receiver ADP right now"? Look at the look at the range from hell, Brian Thomas, all the way to what Leggett, Corley, Leggett, and then there's even some intriguing names after that. But what is that? Thirteen yeah. receivers that are outside the top three. Yeah, all clustered in the second clustered. roundish, late first, yeah. mid second. I mean, what are you looking at if you're drafting them in lineup leagues? There, Ray. What 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 factors are making you say you know what those are who I'm targeting versus okay just draft capital profile etc. Oh you
0: know it's the it's the you already know what it is it's one of the biggest X factors in dynasty fantasy football I think it's honestly you could uh, I'm gonna challenge anybody out there man you can have as much data as you want have as much advanced stats analytics draft capital you know what drives people more than anything man. It's their preconceived notions, their preconceived bias, how they felt about the player prior to the player becoming the player that they are, whatever that may be. If they didn't like the cat in college, didn't really like him through the combine, they've got an analyst that they follow that they've said the guy stinks from the high heavens. There's little There will be little that that player can do outside of going Puka Nakua going on Monroe-St. Brown, which the fact that we can just name up the ones that have actually been able to overcome, and I still have my reservations about Puka Nakua to a certain degree, how the community would treat him if he were to sustain some type of injury this year and can't score points. I'm very curious. I don't want to see that play out to test that theory, but I'm looking for the rookies that people like, Scott. I don't want to have the players that people already think are dogs. You know, Keon Coleman, we'll see. He's one of the ones right now where it, it literally, I don't care. It doesn't matter what I think. I'm trying to value gauge what everybody else thinks about these guys. I want the assets that people like. I want the assets that people want to root for. Think about, think about this from 2023. We can agree that Bryce Young probably was placed in a very bad situation, right? We can agree that that situation was probably pretty bad for any quarterback, let alone an undersized one. But what did we see from pretty much the start of the season all the way to the end? Excuses. Man, he's a good guy. I want to root for Bryce Young. He's Man, he's a good kid. Does all the right things. Hard worker. All this champion. People want to see him be successful. Nobody really wants to see Bryce Young fail. You know who people didn't like and still don't like? Will Levis. Didn't matter what... They don't like him. And all it, ta- all it took was a couple of rookie performances for people to be like, I knew he stunk. I knew he was a bum. That's Bo Nix this year. As Bo Nix. People, people may tolerate him, but people don't really like Bo Nix. People aren't excited to draft Bo Nix. So when you're having to press that button, draft, I mean, I'm thinking about a couple of different things. Like, is this an asset that I will be able to turn liquid at some point in time and move? What's my ROI going to be whenever I make that decision? And what are some of the de- – like, Quentin Johnston was a landmine from the jump, though. Everybody knew it. Every single living soul knew it last year that he was a landmine. But we had to respect the draft capital. Hell, he is 6'3". Well, he is pretty fast, and he was a first-round pick, so I'll take him begrudgingly. Like, at, at what point you might have had the tiniest sliver of a window with him – And then he was not liquid. I mean, it was just, he was like a damn savings bond, man. Nobody really wants that. Nobody. And people didn't like him coming in because of all the other failed TCU receivers, because of X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, literally, you're assuming the risk when you take one of those assets. So, I don't know if we really know who people dislike today, but come after the combine, we'll know. One of those receivers that people like, let's pull up the board again, Scott. Um, Adnan Mitchell goes out there and runs a four six. Keon Coleman looks sloppy. Jalen Polk runs a four seven. Whatever the whomever it is, Xavier Leggett can't test. He's got a slow three cone. We'll know after the combine who the community is in on and who the community is totally out on.
1: Well, and I'm just gonna actually go through an exercise right now because we haven't had any of that data, right? But I think this is what we're preaching with this, especially if you're in lineup leagues, especially if you're in shallower lineup leagues. Very quickly, and there may or may not be some fun data coming out on war games and with some of the stuff we're going to be going on in the future with actually looking at values of draft picks and how you should be using them. So stay tuned for that. But just go through this exercise. A lot of people play in lineup leagues more than best ball. A lot of our listeners and and viewers are probably still playing in lineup leagues. And probably not a lot of them are in start 12, start 13, right? They're start 9, start start 10, 10, maybe maybe some start 11s. So you're getting into this. I'd even argue outside of that top 8 when McCarthy goes off the board. Even if you get to pick at the top, and we'll talk about that in a second, second, what you do if you're at the very top of that tier and why you don't want to do that. But even at that very top, right, 109, 110, you're already getting in range where the expected like return on your investment with that pick, it's going to be an uphill battle to hit on something that actually is making a difference, right? You're getting to yes. the back after the first round. So we're already to a point where we're basically admitting all these picks are dangers of being roster cloggers. So here's how you do it. We don't have a great way to say what does everybody feel about every player. But just go through this on your own your own time, look through a list of rookies, and just, I'm going to give you a name, Ray, and what what kind of feeling is invoked in your gut when I give you that name? Okay, And just picture the random dynasty manager in your league. Is it going to be uh, like fire emoji? Like, hell yeah, everyone okay. loves that player? Or right. is it going to be Tez Walker, Ray? How's the group? What emoji is putting up with Tez Walker when you just say his name?
0: The, um... You know what emoji it is? Scott, it's the um the 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 squiggly face where it's kind of like confused. I don't really know. Like, yeah, some people may like him, but I don't know, man. I, that one is he's like 50-50 coin flip with Tez Walker. Coin flip. Coin flip Tez okay. Walker.
1: Okay? Uh, we'll go Brian Thomas. I think that's an interesting one. Maybe I'm higher on Brian Thomas, but it feels like a lot okay. of what I hear with Brian Thomas is just like, fire. He's an LSU receiver. Here we People go. are going to i put like it on him. the
0: screen. It's tiny. Let me make it bigger. I'm going to put the emojis up as we do it. Brian Thomas, fire emoji. I think we, could, we can air horn that. Fire emoji, Brian Thomas, correct. All yeah. right, who else we got?
1: I'm going to throw some running backs in there. This is one I know you've talked about. May not even be super high on him. You put out your show the other day, top five running backs in the class. But the name. What okay. name the name Braylon Allen, what does that invoke in the community?
0: Braylon Allen? Braylon Allen? Here it is. I got it for you. I got it for you. Braylon I got one Allen. in my mind already. Braylon Allen, there he is.
1: I was gonna say a hammer, but it can be the rocket, rocket ship. ship too. But but it's something positive, right? It's yes, good. positive.
0: Derrick Henry. People 2. want 0. whether it's a
1: yep. Hammer, mm-hmm. rocket ship, whatever oh, yeah. it might be.
0: Who else we okay. got? This is fun. Uh Will Oh, Will Shipley? All right. Um, And
1: and I'm I'm just kind of picking these randomly, but I'm also picking a couple names that I haven't heard a lot about. It's just kind of like maybe neutral on
0: Will Shipley? Like I'm not sure? Here's Will Shipley. Here's Will Shipley. Here's Will Shipley. Let me add him to the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: knew you
0: were going to go there. Okay. I think think people see a white running back. He's got to be a pass catcher. Rex Burkhead, Danny Woodhead. I think that's what people see. I, okay. per, I talked about him on my underdog stream, and I said, that's somebody I've been even more interested in because he's not just a pass catcher. He's pretty good between the tackles, and he can do that. But I think when most people see the name Will Shipley, uh, just another white running back that we have coming into the league. I think that's what most people think. Okay.
1: Here's another one. This is a random one that I'm just pulling out of my ass, but I actually am interested in this guy. I've heard some good stuff from NFL people on this guy. All right, give me the name. But I think there's a certain connotation. Jermaine Burton.
0: All right. This is what the community thinks. <laughs> this is what the community thinks. This is what I think they'll think about Jermaine Burton out of Alabama.
1: And And... Let's just dive into the psychology of that one real quick, Ray. Why is that the poop emoji? Is it because he was a Devi darling that went to Bama and should have smashed and didn't? So It it's, didn't do he's, it. He's done so for, never can it's be his good?
0: fault. Correct. He was at Georgia. People were hyped up. Transfers to Bama. You're supposed to be the guy. Doesn't work out for a variety of reasons. And he never really took off. So now he sucks. Yes. That... I don't. That's not. Those aren't my words, but I think that's what most people think. I, here's the thing: I don't even have him ranked in my rankings. That, that's that's the lack of respect that people have for for Jermaine Burton I, right now.
1: And yet, probably, yet I'm, and I'm probably i probably misplaced. I'm, well, I'm aware of that, and yet I'm listening to NFL draft pods, and he's being mentioned in the same light as Lad McConkey, Roman Malachi Wilson. Like, people Corey. are going off. Yep. He's going to be a set, late second, early third round pick, and then I look. People don't even have him in the top 60 prospects. So there's clearly a disconnect. And I'm not saying he goes in the third round. But that's an example of a guy, Ray, if he is the wide receiver 12 off the board in the NFL draft, an early third round pick, is that the guy you're chasing next to another player that's in the same range that you're going, all right, Jalen McMillan or Jermaine Burton? They're drafted back to back.
0: Oh, that's Most, they want McMillan. Give me Jalen McMillan.
1: But that's the psychology example of this, right? This is the kind of analysis where you get into this dead zone range. Like you have to go through this exercise and go, before I click draft on this name, what else is attached to it besides the landing spot, the profile, whatever it might be. You have to think of this like, what are other people going to think? And I think that carries a lot more weight than you and I have ever given that respect to, to the point where I get to most of these picks in this range. And it's like, that's going to be one of the sole drivers of when I make a pick Ray in these ranges. What do I think the future could hold for other people's perception of the player? That's it. Now the landing spot, obviously if it's a good spot, good offense, whatever that may help more people be excited quicker but it can also work the other way right you get a bad player with decent capital in a bad spot there's no point in even drafting them right there's just no point in because you know the only path is you better hope you're right on the player because if there's any ambiguity then it's just you're stuck with them and i think that's a big factor when it comes to drafting players in this range in lineup
0: Well, let's talk about these guys for a minute, man, Um, because we are about to get some more information by way of the combine. But we were talking earlier today, and you told me, you said if people are waiting for the combine, then pro day, then the draft, and then the landing spot to figure out if they want to keep the 110, the 111, the 112, they've already lost out. Like At that point, you've lost all plus EV value that you could have gotten. Because – this is my this is my theory, man. I know we talked about these ranges, right? And I'm going to pull this back up again. Let me pull the board back up. Pull the board back up. And this is our ADP. We've done, what is it, 28 mock drafts. There's been 28 mock drafts that we've done. And, you know, we talked about after that 108, that J.J. McCarthy, I think Troy Franklin kind of range, from the back of the first all the way to the second, man, you could have Roman Wilson get selected in the back of the first, top of the second, you know, Blake Corm still feels a little bit high. You got Ladd McConkey there. I I think, Scott, just, just in my opinion, and look at where they're going, and I think you start to see these runs on running backs like Benson, Bucky Irvin, Braylon Allen, because people don't really know what to do right now. Nobody really knows who the hell Jalen Polk is. Like, people just don't know who he is. Like, we do within the space that we operate, but the masses, they don't really know who Jalen Polk is. Roman Wilson, maybe a little bit. Xavier Leggett, Malcolm, Like, we're familiar with these guys. A, we just went to the damn senior bowl and we kind of studied these guys. But the masses don't really know who these guys are right now. So I want to ask you a question. Do you think there's any value, any value in getting those picks now, if they're for sale, buying those late first? And I'm not talking about giving up uh, a future 25 pick. I'm talking about with players, veteran players. I don't know what it is. Buying Late first now from people who are saying there's a tear break after the 106 and there's nothing else that's going to be worth a damn. Acquiring those now, not to make the selection, but knowing that once we get to April, because this is a, Scott, we've been doing this long enough. I don't care what you think about the class. Come April and May, when it's time to draft, people will talk themselves into 101 through 311. I got to have every one of them. And I told you, here's what I think is about to happen, man. Here's what I I think is about to happen. Here's the wide receiver ADP. Screw Marvin, Neighbors, and Odunza. It's no point even looking at those guys. But I think this year, Scott, and I've talked about this so many times, dude, just because a player is rated or ranked somebody's wide receiver 15 or 16, it's not an indictment on the player. It's just a reflection of the strength of the class, but what I think everybody's going to do, because I'm looking at every one of these names, Polk, Roman Wilson, Devontae Walker, Corley, Steve Smith pumping him up, Xavier Leggett, big, strong, physical, South Carolina, Debo Freak, McMillan, Debbie Stud, Brendan Rice, USC, Jerry Rice's son, got Burton, six foot 6'6", six uh, Johnny Wilson, Pierce on the slot, Malik Washington getting hyped, Javon Baker down there. I mean, dude, everybody and their mom, Scott, is going to be chasing who? In 2024, everybody is looking for, because people want to be right. People want to say that they were in on something first. They were in on Puka Nakua. They were in on Tank Dell. I was in on Dontavian Wicks. I think uh, of all the years, is a great year to need a receiver or just acquire them. I want all of them. Correct. I want Every last, I want some Malachi Corley. I want some Xavier Leggett. I want some Ricky Pearsall. I want all of these guys. Not because I think they're all going to turn into Tank Dell and Puka Nakula, because they won't, and we know that. But all it's going to take is for one, one of those players to do something for you to be able to get an immediate, not just one-for-one one re-roll, but an actual return on that investment. And it's not, and here's the beauty. It ain't going to matter that Ricky Pearsall was a three, was a thir, late third-round pick. It ain't going to matter that Xavier Leggett was the fourth-rounder in the NFL draft because you know why it didn't matter for Tank Down, it didn't matter for Puka Nakua. Didn't matter for Dontavian Wicks, didn't matter. It didn't matter. So now people are going to swing the pendulum all the way in the other side, on the other direction and say, it, I don't give a shit if Ricky Pearsall was a late third this dude's got opportunity in Jacksonville. Catching passes from T-Law, he's at home. He's going to be the next thing. You There is so, this class is oozing with liquidity. It's oozing with it, man. And the fact that there is no clear-cut RB1, that means it's up for the taking for any of them jokers. It could be Braylon Allen, it could be Trey Benson, it could be Bucky Irvin, it could be Jalen Wright. There's like six different running backs that people want to be the top dog. Like if anything, this class is fucking amazing. You can have six or seven quarterbacks that land in spots that need a shot. Like the more you look at what's happened in dynasty and then the caliber of athlete and assets that we have in this class, this may be one of the more liquid ones that we've seen in quite some time.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll be vulnerable for everybody. I used to be very dogmatic, right? Right. I don't really want to draft receivers that got drafted outside the top 50. And then even those, I'm very specific on who the profiles are. And I would also venture to say that even though this class is extremely strong, it's the perfect time because if we had Puka and Tank Dell last year, and we have a bad running back class, and we have a loaded receiver class, so it's the perfect storm, like you said. I would also say if you went back to some of the old ways of drafting, of looking at certain metrics draft capital. That's probably a pretty good bet to just continually stick with that type of process. But even I've had to soften up on that and go, you know what? I'm going to have to make some exceptions for exactly what you said. It's not because I think the way of the new NFL is I can pick (laughs) receivers in the fourth round that are going (laughs) to become top 24 receivers. Those are going to be always bad bets based on the data. But what you're saying is because the community is, basically, we've all laxed our standards on receivers, right? You can now look at a receiver that went in the third, fourth, fifth round, and you can squint and go. And we haven't even talked about guys like Pop Douglas, Dontavian Wicks, A.T. Perry. Those are like the afterthoughts, right? But even those guys, people still like those. Yes, yeah, I'm not, it was a different different topic. I put up the topic the other day about who would you rather have, basically a backup QB or AT Perry in a start ten lineup league. No joke, seventy percent of the responses mm-hmm. were, "Man, AT Perry showed something last year. He could be the three on the Saints." And I'm like, these are people talking about a dynasty lineup league start ten, and we're talking about the three on the Saints. But people are still going, "I'd rather roster him." Now, would they trade you anything for him? That's a different story. But they're willing to roster him, which means what are they willing to do? They're willing to spend a rookie pick on him, right? That 309, if they like this year's version of that, they will take him. And maybe that's somebody you can go, all right, you really want him because you have some bias on that name? Give me two fourths for it. Give me two shots for one. So like you said, it oozes with liquidity, but I think people have just suspended. And rightfully so. You see two outliers like we saw last year. There are, people, there are people behind the scenes, content creators. Not us, because I don't have a model. But I guarantee you there are people there with models, Ray. Double checking just to make sure there's something that they're not missing. Going, man, what if this is an NFL trend? Where these models of all these inputs and draft capital used to be so predictive and now the NFL might be changing a little bit. Maybe I got to make sure my model might tweak it a little bit to to filter in some of those outliers that maybe have been in the past, that maybe now it looks like, okay, you, I'm giving you permission to take a shot on that fourth-round receiver yeah. now. So yep. people have suspended, I think, the rigidity, and this is a perfect class to say, all right, take the shot. Because what's the worst that can happen? You took the shot on the next puka, it didn't work out,
0: you yeah. blew the third-round
1: yeah. pick, we'll just wash it away like I blew a third-round pick. Even if I could tell you, man, probably don't want to be fishing in these receiver waters. And then to your last point, whether they end up being good or not, ultimately, does that even matter? No. Does it matter if you have a window to be able to flip them for double what you paid? You picked them in the third, you got a second for them. Now, whether you have the discipline to do it
0: versus whole, you buy into the yeah. hype
1: yourself is a different story. But I think it's an interesting way to think about it, and I think it's a perfect storm of we'll see who has the discipline to actually play this way. And it's going to test my process, to be honest, because I'm going to have to take some shots and people are going to go, oh, man, Scott's got six third-round picks. He's going to draft all running backs. That's what I would have done in the past. All quarterbacks, all running backs. I'm not taking a fifth-round receiver. It's a roster-clonger. Why would I draft that? And then I do this year, you know, because I'm going to have to lose that rigidity if I want to stay with the flow of where the assets are going in Dynasty.
0: I want to ask a question, but we don't have time to answer it now. And I think we need to follow up with this is, I talk about dynasty discipline all the time. What does that look like in 2024 when one of these rookies, because there will be one or two, right, that, get, that land in the right spot. And there's so many things. It wasn't just, like, understand it wasn't just the fact that Pook and Nakua landed on the Rams, He landed on the Rams with a healthy Matthew Stafford to start the season. And the incumbent number one was hurt and was not available. And he was very good himself. Puka was very good. But the confluence of factors was, like, perfect for him. It was perfect. So there there are so many things that factor into a player getting that type of opportunity, being in the right offense that's going to concentrate— and they did that long before Puka Nakua got there. They ran 11 personnel and only threw the ball to three damn people. So he just he walked into the right spot. What's going to be interesting and what I want to talk about next time is when you need to move on. Like, wh- what is it that... Y- when do you say, I'm going to hold and ride this a little more or I'm going to pivot and I'm going to get out? And I I don't even know if I've got the right answer for that. I think it's a... A combination of just kind of seeing it play out, that old gut feel, whatever you want to call it. But there's got to be, we've got to put some rules on this because we can't just tell folks that we're just drafting them for the liquidity and not also equipping them with the tools that allow them to either retain that player or move them away. I think we, Scott, do the community and the people watching the show a disservice by not completing that loop. I think it's one thing to say we're drafting those receivers, the Pierce Os, the Tos Washingtons, those guys, the Burtons in the third and the fourth, but we've got to go ahead and close that loop on like when, when would you hold and when would you sell? But I want to ask you this because it came up today in the Discord when talking about uh, these late first in relation to the 2025 class and how most leagues, they don't value them 25 picks now, and I don't blame most people. Most people don't give a damn about no college football right now. I don't know who's transferred where. We don't know who the head coaches are. Ain't nobody thinking about the 25 class. Like, literally. Nobody is thinking. You ask people to give you a top 12, and they're just kind of like, what? Well, I'm I'm focused on 24. So I do think there is a window right now, and especially after the combine, again, where the crescendo for the value of those 24 picks starts to rise. I think there's, a, there's an opportunity to dive into some 25 picks, and let me just make it very clear for people And I know we say next year. I'm not even saying next year's class is better than this year. I don't do any of that. But the 25 class on paper today is very strong. All five of the projected top five running backs next year, Scott, they would, any one of them would be the RB1 in this class, bar none, and they would be a first-round rookie pick. And I'm just going to rattle off the five names. you got the two kids from Ohio State, Quinshawn Judkins and Travion Henderson. You have Ollie Gordon out of uh, Oklahoma State. He's going to be one of the top running backs in the 2025 class. You got Nicholas Singleton out of Penn State and Katron Allen, both over 220 pounds. All five of those guys, just those five alone would be valued as the top running back in this class and it wouldn't even be close. So you've got five at least quality NFL rushers coming to the league. I'm gonna say it, I believe T-Mac, T-McMillan, t T -T Tiora McMillan out of Arizona State is the best wide receiver in the country. What he was able to do as a true freshman and this past season at Arizona at six foot five, two 215 pounds, you got him. You got Luther Burden and Evan Stewart. So that's, that's eight right there, Scott. And then from the quarterback position, you got Shador Sanders. You got Carson Beck. You got Quinn Ewers. And I'm just being conservative, not talking about Riley Leonard, Cam Ward, and company. So when you're looking ahead to 2025, you can just say that at least it's shaping up to be a very quality rookie draft class as well regardless of what the high-end upside is, blah, 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 it's shaping up to be a very good class. Like, knowing what we just talked about in this entire conversation about the liquidity that the 110 to the 212 is, are going to have, if an offer hits your inbox today, I'll give you my 25 first for your one, 10, 110, and let's there's other stuff in there, but ultimately the foundation of the deal is you're flipping out of that pick, that late first post JJ McCarthy and you're getting a random 25 first are you making that move now despite everything that we just fucking talked about
1: well i mean it's a good topic to uh to kind of dive in deeper we could do an entire episode on this but i do think that was a that was a move that anybody that played dynasty man 8 years ago 6 8 years ago it used to be you could move the 201 202 for a future first There used to be a point where it was you got a tax because the other person, guess what, Ray? They had to wait a year. You had to wait that year. So I'm not giving you something that has a one in front of it for a future first. Are you kidding me? You got to pay a big tax. And I think we started to realize that if you did that over a period of time, I don't know how many deals if you did that you got killed on, but it was probably every one of them. So we've started to move it down to, I always say, 106 to 108 is probably the sweet spot to where if you're in that range, and this is where I think it takes a little analysis of the league, but I think the biggest factor is to answer that question directly, you need to look at the other manager. That's the tiebreaker for me. Any pick outside of the top seven or eight, if you say I want to move it for a future first, odds are, and McNamara has done this work before, where he's just looking at the, the randomness and equated an average first at worth like a 105 in a regular average rookie draft right there. So if you're at the 108, 109, 110, it's already a plus EV move just to take the future pick for multiple reasons. One, it could be what? Higher next year. Mm -hmm. Trade the 109 for a future pick. Could be the 104. That's a massive win. But what else do you actually get in that? This is what I want the audience to think about. You don't just get the lottery ticket of it maybe being a better pick. What you also do is you defer that decision of having to turn the pick into a play. (laughs) Yeah. That is a year where you now bank the money. It's not going to go down in value, but you bank the money. You're adding flexibility. And especially if you're in a shallow league, we were talking start 10. But sometimes I've started to shift on this. People will be in like a start eight or a start nine league. And they'll ask questions about Man, I have all these assets. I have a bunch of picks. I have five firsts. I have three seconds. All these pieces. Nobody in my league, Ray, will trace studs. I got 109 through 112. I've been trying to spam all four of them for Lamb, Chase, Jefferson, Bijan. Nobody will do the deal. Are you doing that deal in a start eight? A four for one? A three for one? (laughs) Probably not. But what way can you consolidate without making it obvious? You go to the other two or three managers in that league and you go, man, I've been watching. I've been watching Ray build those teams for the last two years. I'm not impressed. You know, he's not that active. He's a little behind on the way things are going. Maybe he sticks to his priors a little bit too much. He doesn't have a dominant roster. So I see a team where I go, all right, if things go right for Ray, he can make the playoffs. But I also go, if things go wrong, I don't believe in his managerial skills to be able to write that pick and keep it out of the lottery. So you target the couple managers like that. You're not saying they're bad, but you look at the managers and go, you know what? I'm not super impressed with the way they run their team. I'm willing to take the role on that pick. And if you just make that across the board, it's much easier if you're in a lot of leagues. But if you're even only in five leagues and you have a couple picks that are in that range, try to get that. I'm not saying go swap the random first. With the guy that has half the top assets and you know like that guy's probably going to be able to swindle the other managers he's gonna have a top or bottom three pick you know that's not the pick you want to trade for but if it's one where you're like all right that's a coin flip 100 percent, that's the best move is to get rid of those later first 108 109 and just wipe your hands clean and just take the bet that you're either getting a higher pick next year but if you're a contender, you also want to do this, right? Because now I have a 25 first in the bank. How many times have you traded for a future first? Midway through the season, that team's 1-7. in seven
0: in the league's <laughs> going,
1: damn, that's going to be a lotto. Yes, sir. Now you can move that pick for double what you could have moved it for earlier in the offseason. So it's, it's always sharp to make that move. So to answer your question, yes, I'm always looking to do that if I have those picks.
0: All right, we got a couple of super chats. Let's hit these up before we get out of here, Scott. We got it from uh, Donnie Mendoza. What's happening with you, Donnie? Appreciate you, big dog. Uh, we got a 14 team. All right, this is what we're talking about. 14 team, 1 QB, start nine. Stroud, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tank Dells, A. Flowers. Uh, who else is that? Uh, Roshan. Can Ken sharps, cans, cans. <laughs> yeah, he loves saying cans twice. Uh, yeah, two times just to let us know with a little Roshan and sharps in between two cans. Njoku Musgrave, 24 first, uh, 1, 2, 11, 13, 20. Man, I mean, loaded. Let's see what the question is. Flexing right now. Uh, let's go back to that one. All right, all right. Boom, boom, boom. Use the 104 and the 108 to get Amon Ross St. Brown. And he's got some other moves. Um one QB, no tight end premium, two twenty five early picks ran out on last one. Or is he asking should he move that for Amon Ra? I
1: I didn't actually see a question. I saw he made the 104 for one oh four for 108 for Amon Ra, which is a great deal in that format. Yes. Absolutely. Listen, man. I mean right in you know, a in a one
0: QB. Dude.
1: H- how dominant position are you in if you have the one oh one and the Come 102?
0: On, man. I mean Come on, man! And a one QB? Do you even I mean,
1: care what he does with those other picks? No, you just play man. around with those, right? Eleven, combine 13, them, swap them. Who cares?
0: And I think what this is—he's got the twenty-five, one hundred one, and one hundred two. What?
1: Well, it looks like he's already suckered a couple people into taking their correct average assets this year for the 25 first next year. Dude. So, whatever you're doing, Donnie, stick with it because somehow you're netting <laughs> tr- high tr- picks tr- every year with a good
0: team. I mean. He traded the 104 yeah. and 108 to get Amon Ra in a 1QB 14-teamer. I mean, starting on. Good stuff, man. I mean. You, yeah, I, listen. Take
1: that 113 and that 111. Go find the biggest sucker in the league to give you their future first for that and just re-roll it. Because yeah. Marvin Neighbors, and don't, don't don't take any more chances, man. You yeah, you already Marv, killed this class.
0: <laughs> it's Marvin Neighbors. like It's Marvin Neighbors. Just run that. You're good. And it seems like you're... Despite the fact that you got a couple of cans and start 9 nah, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. You'll be all right. All right. Well, y'all, real talk, man. You know, Scott and I come on here um, weekly, and we're going to be on here every single week. And we just want to have a conversation with y'all. The title of the show is Destination Chill. So we appreciate each and every view, each and every ear that listens to the show. And these type of conversations, I am not a big proponent of pushing everything. But damn it, I'm going to tell y'all, like, this is what we do. In the Heisman group, in our DTI five and Heisman trades group, uh, uh, trades and five and Heisman combo group, this is what we do every single day inside of our Discord. So if you enjoy these kind of conversations between Scott and myself, I'm telling you, when you're in the crowd, when you're amongst the community of 30 other crazy ass sickos, and we're talking about this together, and you're getting your individual league questions answered, and you're a part of a what community? Not not a fantasy service, not a Discord, not a group, but a community. Like, this is what we do. Scott, we were talking about this uh, as I had to run some errands tonight. We're passionate about this. I know a lot of people that do fantasy because they think it's a quick buck. They want to create a couple of videos. They want some stardom. Like, we truly love this shit. We're theorizing about it day and night. We're talking about ways to create tools for players to be better dynasty managers. Like, the whole thing that we have between Destination Devi, Trades in Five, like, we're trying to put out content for y'all. So I'm just... I'ma just push y'all. Come sign up. Come join the squad. Come be a part of the group. Get in. Get active. If you, d- I've made this. I've said this before, time and time again. And then one day I'm not gonna say it because too many people take me up on it. But if you really join and you're active in the Heisman Discord and you absolutely hate it, I'll give you your damn money back. If you join and you're like, this is just not for me. I don't like it. Come DM me. I've, I've. I will refund you your bread. Now, you can't be in there for like two months and then be like, ah, I don't like it anymore. Screw that. Money gone. But if you join up and you're like, Ra, watch that show you had on that pink mauve shirt, the cowboy hat, and you told me, try it out. And if I didn't like it, let you know, get your money back. But if you're serious about this game, if you want to get better, if you want theory, if you want strategy, if you want fun, if you want community, patreon.com forward slash all gas or go to destinationdevi.com. Sign up. I promise y'all, promise you, you will not be disappointed, man. Scott, a lot of good content has hit the airwaves this week. Destination Dynasty, uh, we've got stuff on Trades in 5, Manic and Chill, private streams inside the Discord that Clay is running. We've got our content creators, Gene and Ike off the line, Brandon. Everybody doing dope stuff. Gump doing his thing, writing articles. Ty declare. come join the movement, join the squad. We're excited to be here. Anything you got before we get out of here, Scott.
1: No, you hit it all. I think uh, no more sales are needed with that. I think you pitched everything. Shit, if I you can like keep this, selling. I, mean, I can keep selling. I know. I know. And, else? No, and okay. I'll just. Okay. I'll, right. What I was thinking about that entire time was we've never really told the story about how we actually met and where we started, but it was not on a show like this where there's 300 plus people watching. So I just, it'd be fun to tell it at some point, but, you know, yeah, we love this stuff. I mean, we, we are literally like, running errands we're going grocery shopping and we're in there talking about dynasty no joke i mean it's something that we're thinking about all the time which is good to find a community where that's there that's what i sought out when i first got into dynasty was people that were like always talking about it two in the morning i could jump into the chat group correct there's something to read so if you're interested in that if you like that there's a ton more of it in the discord don't
0: need to sell any more from my end so we're good Let's see if there's anything else I need to sell. I don't think there's anything else we need to sell. I'm going to play some music because I like to have music on as we get ready to roll out. We appreciate everybody being here. Before you leave, hit that thumbs up button, like the content, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment below what you think about the show and the theory strategy that we have. Those of y'all that are in the Discord, head on over to the room. Got a little AMA session tonight, so we appreciate y'all. Much love. See y'all next Wednesday. We out. Peace.